Hi, this is Fergal Lawler from the Cranberries, and you're listening to Verbal Shenanigans. But our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah, I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. Hello, everybody. Hey, Mike, you, you remember how to do this? You ready? You ready to go? See, here's the thing, Scott. I looked over my contract, and we were doing doubles in 2020. I wasn't going to get my full pay for those double weeks. That's why I insisted on every other summer day getting off. Gotcha. Now it's a little clear. You don't. You don't really. You're not very transparent when we're going through this. Well, I just show up on Monday nights to record and. It was just not there. Yep. yep. That's how you know it's not going to happen. You show up. I'll decide if I do the same. That's it, how the show goes. Is this your way of like silently protesting, like trying to get a raise? It's just kind of like not playing home games. Yeah. On the Kyrie Irving of this podcast. You know, I just uh, if there's one thing we can our... we can agree on, you're definitely the Kyrie Irving of this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the world's flat. I mm-hmm. show up for a third of the games, and then I go, you know what? I will have you pay me $37 million for next year. Right, right. But, yes, sorry again, folks. It's been it's been a little a little chaotic uh, in, in both our worlds. Um, if I sound like I'm kind of underwater, it's because I am. Because what, what adult gets a double ear infection at this point in their life? You and your son got ear infections? Mm. What 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 is the weakness of the Brennan ears, my friend? I don't know, uh, man. I don't know. My dad always has ear problems. I don't know what's going on, but I don't know. I've been I was like down and out Saturday and it lasted pretty good and it was like mostly like uh throat and stuffiness and I thought I was clear by Wednesday. I was feeling pretty good. And then I went out to like an end of a year party kind of thing, had a hundred and ten beers. And then Friday and Saturday, it all came back. And then, like, Sunday, I couldn't even, like, move. Um, and then I never go to the doctor. And I was like, I got to go. This has been way, way too long. And they're like, yeah, you got to – yeah, both your ears are all clogged up and infected. So um, I'm going to throw you on some antibiotics. And uh, so he, so here I am. Here I am. I am. I'm feeling better. I'm not great. I sound terrible. But – you know, you guys are going to have to deal with this sweet voice for the next hour. End of the year in June, is was that a Chinese party of some sorts? Or? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, my, yeah? you know, my annual annual Chinese uh, June celebration. Yeah? I, I told I, you about I this mean, you, so many times. I, I, mean, I mean, I know you told me about it, but why don't you describe to our audience, like, what goes into the Brennan Chinese end of year in june celebration well it's not exactly my celebration it's just like uh-huh. my uh chinese conglomerate that i hang around with um oh every once in a while i get into the dragon costume i like to be, i prefer to be the head but you know sometimes i do get stuck in the rear it's very hard on the back um i find myself you get much- no praising you get no praise in the middle when you're no. the dragon. Like, no. Everybody talks about the head, and it's like, okay, we're at the end. All those guys in the middle has got to keep up in between. 
Yeah, no and respect. it's probably the hottest part of the costume. It's probably the most uncomfortable because you have people attached to you in the front and the back. Um, it, you know, a little uh, human centipede. You, you kind of got to bend down. It's <coughs> sorry, <coughs> and I'm dying. See, that's probably where I got it at the Chinese. Uh, I was I was in the back of the Chinese party, so got a little. Yeah, uh, you infection know that there. the Chinese dragon, you got to be six feet apart in that dragon. My friend, that's that was your problem. You only went three feet, and look what happened. I believe that's where COVID started inside the actual dragon at yeah. a at an end of the year June uh, celebration. I gotta be honest, Dragon Nineteen would have been an awesome disease. That would have <laughs> been like everybody been like, all right, you know, the world's ending, but this is freaking awesome. What do I mean? Now we, I mean, now we got monkeypox, right? I heard that they're, they're, they have to change the name of that one. Because it's offensive. I mean, it's it's not growing. I mean, now they're just trying to find. It's kind of like when a big blockbuster movie goes out and everybody's excited, and then all the small studios make those mockbusters. Right. That, that's what's happening. A monkeypox was just the ooh, how can we make money after COVID kind of thing. You know, where they just shoved it out there, and it's like, oh, it's just as good. It's like, no, it's not. Do you think there's like? A panel of people like, okay, we got this. We found this disease in this lab. We found uh, Mike Burrow's sick. Not quite sure what it is. It seems different than other things. Uh, he's got, you know, they coded by a. He's got a one nine point two a B C virus. And then, do you think there's like a panel that they have to go through to name the like have suggestions for the name of things? Like, okay, we'll go with chicken pox, monkey pox. No, nah, that's too on the nose. Like. What, what do you think the process is to name a disease? Well, for starters, that's why these diseases spread and all, because they're in the in the office for three months trying to give it the name before they make the first official announcement. You know, people are getting off left and right, but they're like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not going out with that name. I'm sorry, Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're at a deadlock. We can't go out with that. Sorry. Well, do you think their goal is to name it? something that sounds serious enough to like scare the public to, to, for, like like you said if there was dragon dragon pox a dragon 19 everybody like yeah that's pretty cool um yeah. you know i got dragon um but you don't want it like monkey if i said hey i'm coming to your party just don't stand too close to me i have monkey pox that's kind of it doesn't sound great it sounds kind of scary it's not the best name but for some reason, if I was like, yo, I got polio, well, that's, that's a good one. That's I got lupus. Oh, you're old school, my friend. I like it. You, Lu- lupus. I throw when you get those diseases. All right. Yeah. I'm uh, appreciating it. Uh, rheumatoid arthritis, that doesn't sound like something you want. Nah. I mean, it's it's like, ah, you're just faking it when you, I mean, what's a rheumatoid anyway? <laughs> like, did somebody have arthritis? And they're like, no, 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 this is. This is like super special. It's like like a rheumatoid on top of my arthritis, bro. Yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of like I guess uh, I guess there is there has to be a, an actual naming process. I can't imagine it could just be called anything, or, or maybe it's named after the guy that discovered it. Like I mean, Burlu AIDS. Yeah, you, you just go somewhere. It's like ah, oh, I don't feel good. I'm, what, what's wrong? I think I got Kevin. <laughs> we shouldn't start naming diseases after like the worst names, like names that are no longer relevant. Like in like, how many? Uh, I don't know. 
You don't see too many Reese. Yeah, or Phillips. You don't see too many Phillips out there anymore. Just started limiting. Yeah, but the screwdriver people would sue. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, listen, everybody's getting the flatheads because they're worried about getting the Phillips. Stop it. What about Gary? Ah, oh, I got I got Gary all weekend. Sorry guys, I can't I can't make it to your party. Yeah, that sounds like a bummer one right there. It's just like, ah, Tim's got the Gary. Ah. Uh, yeah, I told him, watch it. Uh. Did you hear about Mike? Oh, no, no. He got Dolores. Oh, my God. He got Dolores. Yeah. Oh. oh, man. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Yeah. That'll work. But, yeah, a lot, a lot going on in the world since we last talked. Um, it, like what? It's just, uh, it's just so sickening that all these women just always complaining and just, just so upset. Uh, you know, like, oh, I don't want old white men controlling my body and tell me what to do. I mean, what's their problem? I mean, I, if I was a female, I trust my body with your thoughts, Scott. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like they they don't know that these old white men just, just, they just want to care for them so much. And they just love babies so much that, um, they just want every person to experience childbirth and, and they're really trying to protect them. I mean, it wasn't all white men. They, they threw a chick in there and yeah. uh, one minority in there. So, it, I mean, even now on that side, you know. I mean, how dare these women want to have control of their own bodies? Like, where do we draw the line? First, they want to vote. Uh, then they want equal pay. And now they want to control their bodies? Mm. You know what's weird? I mean, as insane as it sounds, abortions are now like fireworks. Like, you know, in New Jersey, <laughs> yeah. we there's laws against fireworks in New Jersey. Right. So what happens? Pennsylvania, they don't have these laws. So right on the border is like anywhere you go into Pennsylvania, once you cross the border, you can buy fireworks anywhere. And that's what's going to be abortions. It's literally going to be like... A, Something happens here in Georgia, and I'll, like right on the tip of North Carolina, there'll be an abortion clinic now. Like I don't understand why people are um, on on. You know, it, it's mostly I guess the right side, especially the more religious side. Um, like, why do we care so much about? bringing more children into <laughs> into the planet like that are not going to be cared for like I, like i don't know like if you were like okay um uh, i got no money i have or i already have so many kids i don't want this kid where is that kid going to end up 10 12 15 years like if they're already starting behind the eight ball what are the expectations of them getting out of that either poverty or situation where they weren't wanted or a broken home from the beginning or uh, sickness or disease that they're going to grow up with or they can detect in, in, in the womb? I don't understand what the fascination with bringing these kids uh, into the world. Listen, if you're around other people's kids, you're generally like, okay, I don't want to be around them anymore. Never mind bringing a whole bunch of new kids into the world. I I start to wonder if they think there's a point system in the afterlife. Mm. I really start to think, because it just seems like, because just naturally you're like, well, I'm against this, 
okay, well, you had always had the right to do it. I can do what I want. But now it seems like, well, if I stop somebody else from doing it, I guess they're going to get like a check mark when they die and go up to heaven. I, I mean, I don't know if there's like a VIP section of heaven they believe they're going to go to. Are they going to be... Is there going to be a sainthood that they can apply for after this all happens? Because that's what it all just seems to be, where it's just like, well, when I die, I mean, I'm going to go up to my maker and be like, you see what I did there? I went, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, I've been saying for years, like, the things that I would think that every time an election cycle comes up or, or, you know, voting comes up or some big change – the main things that like drive these elections and that are hot button topics are like gay marriage, abortion, uh, a couple of things like that. But these are like issues that literally don't affect your private life. So you're voting on uh, if these are the issues that drive your uh, where your vote's going to go. Mike Mike believes in this. Scott believes in Mike. Mike's anti gay marriage. Scott's pro abortion. Whatever it is, like. Um, neither of those issues ever touch your home. You know what I mean? Like, they do not affect what goes on in your household. Whereas, okay, you want to talk about taxation. You want to talk about uh, Social Security. You want to talk about military. Yeah, those things affect, like, your personal life. Whereas Mm -hmm. if... John and Jim are married down the street. That literally never affects you. It never affects you. What John and Jim do in the bedroom never affects you. What um, if if Mike and and uh, Kimmy have decide to not have a baby that, or have a baby that never affects your personal life in any way, in any way. Yeah, it's it's super weird. Like I have a a friend who was. Uh, you know her. She was at the uh, 40th Burlew celebration. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, I'll go into names. She actually decided she didn't want to have children. Mm-hmm. So she went to a doctor and she's like, I want a hysterectomy. And every, when she goes there, what does the doctor do? Uh, uh, let's think about it. Are you sure? Uh, you know, there's pills you can do so you, you don't get pregnant. You don't have to do this. I mean, what else have you changed your mind? And she's like, literally, no, you don't understand. I never want a child. I don't want a chance of it. I right. want to go through this. I want to go through this. And she had to literally, like, badger a doctor to get her in the spot to say, I don't want to have children. But, I mean, we go to a doctor. I go, hey, I want a vasectomy. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Second couple of days, we'll snip, snip you. You're all good. Yeah, have fun, buddy. Good luck out there. Slap on the yeah. butt, you know. Um. Yeah, it, it's viciously skewed towards male control. It, it really is. It's just, and I know, like, I'm not smart enough to have like super detailed opinions about these things. And I, I know that like the argument on the other side is that they took the constitutional control out of it and now it's it's back in the hands of the people technically um because now it's the state you know it's run by the states but it just seems like we had at least like we we you know we take a couple steps forward progressively and then take a couple steps back always but it seems like we had finally gotten past 
the gay marriage, uh, you know, people caring about that, right to a point. It seemed like we were getting past that, and we were getting to a point where, yeah, you see the super weirdo religious groups on the side of the road with their dumb signs, and everyone's like, yeah, whatever, you know, like the— what is it, the Westboro Baptist Church? Westboro Baptist. Yeah, like they're almost like a joke. Like they are a joke to mo- every ninety percent of the people. Like these clowns, you know what I mean? Like, and it seemed like we, almost as a nation, we were kind of all done with that. Like, okay, it, we're we're fine. Um, let's let's get back to gun control. But it's like this seems like such a the fact that we're still debating this is is kind of unreal to me. It, it's it's. It's really bizarre, like, to ask anyone to bring a child into the world. Like, I, you know, my two-year—he's not two yet. My year-and-a-half-year-old drives me insane, and I love him, but I know how much work that is. And I can't imagine if my wife and I were not prepared to do that and didn't want that and— we're not financially able to do that. I can't imagine telling someone, okay, yeah, you have to do that right now. It's like, shit, man, like, <laughs> we treat, we treat like, adopted dogs <laughs> or do- pets better than we do, like, women's rights. Like, uh, it's like, I don't know, man. I, I just don't know. Well, it's it's kind of funny. Like, I remember, like, the... Uh, dispute over welfare is well these families they have eight nine ten children and they make the government pay for it so now it's kind of like okay you got that that means you got what you want because the kids are born isn't that what you want you right. you don't want to worry about well maybe we should educate kids beforehand hey these is where your your prime risks of getting pregnant and all that well we can't teach you because the parents don't want to hear that and now we can't we have to be in a certain state to make certain things happen which means it's still happening which still says you really didn't do anything only really inconvenience and make some person poorer than they need to be and then my favorite part was one of their reasonings for this change was uh well there's nothing in the constitution about uh, abortion, it's nowhere in the Constitution. It's <laughs> yeah. no like gay rights are not in the Constitution. All right, this was written at a time where we said we fear redcoats. Yeah, I don't think at any point when they were writing this, they really fully thought out every scenario, every type of person, every thing on earth where it's like if we don't put this all on this piece of paper, hundred years from now, somebody's gonna be like. Yeah. Uh-huh. Not to mention this. This is made um, <laughs> by a bunch of guys in in wigs uh, <laughs> who yeah. who came to the table probably with their slaves waiting outside. Um, yeah. Why they drew Points this up in the kitchen? Yeah. Uh, you know, this is you know when they're talking about uh, gun control back then and right to arms. They weren't talking about uh, having ARs and, and and things like that. They were talking about against a militia that, you know, on a country that was so unstable that could be taken over at, at any time. You know, like they weren't talking about a modern society with things like that. So um, the fact that we look at the Constitution so 
like like it can't change and it is flawless and um I mean, half these things are written. It's kind of like the Bible's Ten Commandments. You could, you could almost take it the way you read it. It's not concrete in any way. It's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's so asinine the way we still work off that completely. Yeah. Well, the commandments say thou shalt not kill. So I understand that. So that's why I go to Texas, where they want to murder every prisoner on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I just don't. I just don't see where we like worship an age that or a document that none of us were even close to alive when it was created. Like we weren't even we didn't even have a seat at the table during that time, but yet we all just defended to death literally. Maybe that's what we we need to get the time machine and whoever was like the oldest person then we have to get all the most advanced equipment to keep this person alive for hundreds upon hundreds of years. So, like, anytime we have a question, it's like, bop, 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 400-year-old Benjamin Franklin's going to decide what we do next, okay? Yeah. He was the man. Yeah, yeah. As he slaps his slave and then comes back and says, okay, here's what we're going to do. Yeah, his machine is connected to a kite with a key on it, so we never have to worry about losing power. He's going to stay alive forever. He's our Frankenstein, and he's our savior. You know, I heard a crazy thing about George Washington. You know, the whole um, George had wooden teeth kind of rumor and all that. Apparently, this is kind of sick. Apparently, some of his fake teeth were the teeth of his slaves. Ah. But were they done with them? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They I just... mean, I mean that that seemed like we. I mean, they're nice guys. I mean, they go up, sir. I, I noticed you're missing like a front tooth, and all. you can use mine if yeah. you want. Yeah, they were just being nice friendly, just being yeah. very sweet. Yeah, this you know, is good people. This is the guy you know. We have a, a day off every year for <laughs> you know. It's just like if you're gonna if you're gonna look back at history and pretend it's flawless, then let's let's. Let's bring all the warts out and, and here. The fact that there's one person in charge of a country anymore is kind of the dumbest thing ever, too. Like, oh, yeah, we're just going to elect one guy to lead 300 bil- uh, million people, whatever, 330, whatever it is now. Um, and we're going to pretend that that's going to well, go well. Well, the number goes up. Don't forget that. And that we took care of that, and so it's going to plop up. Well, with, with no more abortions, it's going to go way up. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking we got to pull in a couple more, like, uh, properties and all, because we, we need more space and all. I mean, I mean, is Cuba still using their island? These people are complaining. Everybody's complaining about gas prices, food prices. Let's throw another 30 million people oh, in yeah. here. Yeah. They need cars and they need food. So, um, yeah, one person in charge of an entire country making decisions or or the fact that people think that one person's actually in charge is the is the other funny thing like yeah we're gonna like the guy we're gonna pretend that he knows everything about science and the military and trade deals and and uh, manufacturing and all that none of them know anything you know they know maybe yep. maybe they know 25 percent of what they're being asked but they don't know all that you know like 
We should elect teams of people. We should elect like, all right, here's the master of transportation. Here's the master of economy. Here's the ma- like. Let's put a team of eight people in there every year, every four years. A new team. How about how about this? Instead of giving out the Vince Lombardi Trophy, whoever wins the Super Bowl runs the country. Bill Belichick has freaking six terms leading this country. I like it, man. I t- I take Belichick as a leader. He'd be great. Like hell yeah. He he wouldn't give many people like anything to deb- like. Everyone hates everyone online. Like any any president. Like what are you gonna do with every time they go, sir? What's the state of the country? What are you gonna do? Well. We'll see uh, in the next year. Uh, country is going okay. Um, next question. We're on our way to California. Yeah. Um, but, but what about Texas? We're on our way to California. Yeah. Uh, what about Putin? Uh, we we have a game plan, and we'll uh, yeah. we'll see what's going on next week. Hey, he did some good things. Uh, we're going to look at the video. So we'll I mean, maybe the key at this point is not to elect anyone that people love. It's to get the most despicable person. So, so almost someone that can unite everybody through hate. <laughs> like where if all the Democrats and all the Republicans hated a guy equally, and then we're just mm-hmm. then maybe there will be real change. Oh yeah, like you, like all these uh, House and Senate. Can you imagine they're sitting back going, "God damn, I hate that guy." That's it. I'm putting in this next bill. I'll show <laughs> him that, that SOB. He's gonna have to sign off on this. Yeah, like imagine people have to come across the aisle to get somebody out. Uh, it's like when we talked about Lenny Dykstra managing the Phillies. It couldn't go yeah. any worse at the time. So mm-hmm. why not let it go? Let it ride. Let's break. Like who's the, who would you say is like the most hated person in America? I mean, minus people saying the presidents, because that's like yeah, that's like yeah, e- yeah. that's easy. Um, God dang, I, I guess Amanda Heard or uh, Amber Heard. No, she's pretty hated right now. She's pretty hated at the moment. That's a good yeah. one for now. Um, yeah, on that one. Yeah, I don't know. Try to think of like an equally hated person. Um, yeah, no, I got Dan it. Snyder. He's pretty hated. <laughs> Dan Snyder's pretty pretty hated. Do, do a lot of people like Jerry Jones? I don't think so. But then we go back to old white guy running the country stuff. <laughs> true, true. But it's funny because you would have thought that person was Donald Trump before people fell in love with him. Like, did anybody really like him before that? Uh, I'm trying. I mean, I guess you, we're talking about Jones, right? Donald Trump. Oh, Donald Trump. No, like pre his presidency. Like, what did he didn't yeah. have? Like, like people were like, "Oh, it's the douchebag from The Apprentice." Like, that's the schmarmy businessman. I mean, the '80s people kind of fell in love with them. It, it was kind of like the the cocky millionaire that everybody wanted to be. It's it's almost like uh, the dude from. Um, American Psycho. Uh, what, what's his name? I got the it. Bale I got it. Right for for these times, 
Jussie, what is it? Jussie Smollett should run for president. <laughs> no one likes him. They know he's a liar. Yeah. Uh, he pissed like off. That. He pissed off both sides. Um, mm-hmm. He tried to play the right. He got caught. The left hates him because yeah. he, he he really kind of messed up their cause. Um, he's so, on. A, he was on TV, so he's famous. Yeah, put him on. Put him in there. Equal hate. Maybe that binds the country together. Maybe that's the key. Beautiful. We change the world, people. Listen to us as always. Um, well, all right, enough of us blabbering about um, how to save the world and uh, inform you guys with our well Again. our well educated, well thought out, pre planned podcast that we do. You know what? Three weeks from now, we're going to resolve Russia, Ukraine, just for you people. We'll 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 probably take that week off in the middle, like we've been doing this summer. But then we'll get to it. All yeah. right. I mean, that look one- forward to it. That was an easy one. That's that's not really hard to solve. I know. Yeah, yeah. these people don't know. But like that, that's that's what I was saying right before. I I feel like I am not a very smart person anymore because I never have any absolute one hundred percent sure opinions on anything. Like Mike, you could be saying one thing, and I'm like, man, Mike sounds really smart, and that that does sound right. He makes a point, and then Bizarro Mike could be saying. Something completely opposite, and if he sounds informed, I'm like, that sounds right too. I'm like that's that's not bad. Um, so I'm always kind of like floating in the middle, trying to find something, something to believe in, Mike. But I don't know, I don't know, can't find it. I feel the best options are the ones where it's like, yeah, that would look good on a pin if I put it on my shirt. Ah, yes, nice short slogans. Yeah, uh, yep, I got it. I got and, it. And that's how it shows support, not with money or doing anything or resolving problems just like oh okay i support you here's my cute little pin you just it's purple i you, like it you just give pins with your opinions to people yeah 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 absolutely gotcha. i mean anything on earth and you know, if i if i go to a picnic and there's some good food there i'm giving out pins that say try the coleslaw first off when's the last picnic you have went to in your life <laughs> that is a good question. I'm going to have to read that. Yeah, yeah, um, the yeah. So at, the, at your next painting, Mike, make sure you you do that. But uh, uh, we got a really cool guest tonight. I kind of feel bad because we we recorded this a couple weeks ago and we had intentions of putting it out and. Like we were talking earlier, I got sick, house is buying, Mike's had a bunch of crazy stuff going on. Um, so we just uh, kind of put it off. But this one's a really cool one. I grew up listening to these guys, um, as I'm sure many of you did, um, if you're a 90s kid. And uh, you you remember their song Zombie, of course, uh, and Linger, and a uh, whole bunch of other ones. But uh, the Cranberries... Uh, were around for for quite a long time, and they put out a lot of music that even like after their big pop and fame, they still were cranking out albums. And what's sad is a couple years ago we were close to getting Dolores on the show, um, who was obviously the lead singer, and then she passed away about I think it's about two years ago now or, or whatnot, and uh, so we were close to getting her on. But I'm very very happy that we are able to get the drummer of the Cranberries from the very beginning, 
Uh, so 20 plus years with the band and just a really cool guy. So we're going to get the drummer of the Cranberries, Fergal Lawler, Fergal Lawler on the show. And uh, here's our interview with Fergal. Hi. Hi, Scott. Fergal, how are you, man? Hey, how you doing? Fergal, that's Mike. I'm Scott. Thanks thanks for uh, giving us a few minutes here, man. You are no exactly on time. I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I'm a drummer. I got to be on time. <laughs> yeah. uh, so like I said, thanks for uh, thanks for giving us a few minutes here. Um, no it's a very, very cool opportunity because like many people here my age in the United States, we grew up. On, on the cranberries were, were were massive, so to have have a few minutes to just chat with you is is a real honor. But I will ask you my first question: Are you ready cool. for the Liverpool game today? <laughs> uh, I'm not watching. I'm what? I'm watching the Formula One. Ah, uh, <laughs> I was oh, nice. Yeah, Formula One. Yeah, I might watch a bit. Of, I might watch a bit of the Liverpool match, but to, to be honest, I don't watch that much soccer unless it's international like uh, World Cup or Ireland are playing or something like that because yeah. there's too many matches on. Yeah. I have no time for anything else if I watched. I, w- I, I was taking a gamble. I'm a Man United fan as well anyway. Ugh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me ask you. So, you know, it's been it's been several years since the Cranberries kind of, you know, the unfortunate passing of Dolores and you guys put out yeah. some reissues and, and whatnot. Are you... Um, are you like far enough away from it now where you can can still look at, at, at the band and your music and, and be happy with all you accomplished, or do you were you left with a feeling that you guys could have done more? Um, and that no, you know, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I geez, I'm very proud of what we achieved. It, it was unbelievable, and you know, it's still. It's still kind of shocking that Loris isn't here anymore, you know. Um, Because you hear a song on the radio or something like that, and it's like, Jesus, you know. Some days you expect her to email or call or, you know, it's just, it's it's such a a shock, really. It's it's something that it's going to take a long time to to learn to live with. Um, I don't think it's something I'll ever actually get over, but just learn to live you know, I, I suppose I try and focus on the positive and, and realize that, you know, she's at peace. You mm-hmm. know, I remember talking to her mom about it and that's what she said as well, you know, is that at least she finally found peace, which is right. a fantastic thing. You know, it's, it's a good comfort to have. But I mean, it, it's a huge achievement. And the fact that people are still listening to the band now, a younger generation is amazing. I, I never expected that. None of us expected that. Right. Like when you were starting up, did you... Was it just you enjoyed uh, drumming and it led to this, or w- did you have the grandeur of that center oh, no. stage? Because I know you were like a hairdresser at one time, and uh, that was just—I was going out with a hairdresser at the time, and I was—I I, I wanted to play in a band, but I said, "Okay, I want to have long hair. What jobs can I have that I can have long hair?" And that was the one that, that jumped into my mind for some bizarre reason. Do you know how much I made? 50 pence an hour nice. which would have been maybe like 60 70 cent an hour right wow it's hell hell on earth so so were you uh were you a musician musician your whole life like i know you no, you've, Jesus. you've dabbled I, in a I bunch of things when i was 17 really wow i just finished school at 17 uh in in it would have been may and then the following christmas i got my drum kit so i was just seven seven almost 18 Wow. So how and old how old were you when the cranberries got together? 
19, I think. So you were Nolan and Mike, we had been friends since we were like 14 because yeah. we were break dancers. <laughs> That's how we met. Love uh, and then we, we got into like The Cure and New Order and the Smiths and music like that. And then there was a friend of mine from school who, who was a, a DJ on a pirate radio station. Back in the 80s, we had pirate radio stations, like illegal radio stations. Yep. And they used to play really good music. But then he played loads of... Um, Irish acts and some of them were from Limerick and I was like lads I got a tape and I said did you know there's bands in Limerick no one knew like (laughs) what this whole other world opened up then and we went to see see bands play live and stuff it was like Jesus Christ we should get instruments and start doing this that kind of what triggered the whole thing off that's wild so so you you were only playing drums for basically two years and then you entered the cranberry which that's that's crazy uh, out of curiosity, is there any comparison to what the cranberries became to what you started at, started as with the cranberry saw us? No, Jesus, no. That was you see, myself, Noel, and Mike were just playing together uh, instrumentally or whatever, and then there was a, a guy that lived close by who was in a band called the Hitchers, and they were kind of a, a, a band with like kind of funny lyrics, you know, they were uh, ironic. And he wanted to play in another band. Um, so he, he was the drummer in that band. And he wanted to, to sing in a different band. So he said, look, I'm looking for a band. Do you want to try this out? So we did it. But the, the, the songs, the lyrics were kind of funny, but, you know, not re- it wasn't my cup of tea, to be honest. We did it for about eight or nine months. And I, I think we were all kind of going, you know, this isn't really what we were thinking. Right. But... Yeah, it was, it was a good experience because we got to do a few gigs, but, you know, we knew we wanted to do something more serious. Yeah. So let, let me ask you. So as the Cranberries start start building and start taking off, you know, you, you guys had a couple hit records. And then I feel like the minute that Zombie came out, I feel like it blew you guys into different stratospheres. Um, was that probably like the pinnacle song for the band as far as heightening the size of you and the, and, and yeah. the fan, like that had to be Definitely. the one. Right? Yeah, that was the one. It, it brought it to a whole new level because we were starting to get traction anyway beforehand. And we've been playing that song live for uh, about seven or eight months, I'd say, before we recorded even. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, we'd play it at the end of a show um, even if we were opening up for another band or whatever, you know, we'd, we'd play that song last and the, the audience would go bananas and they'd never heard it before. Yeah. And we were kind of saying, Jesus, they get a great reaction from that song for some reason. And then when we recorded it, we, we went to release it as, as a single and, and the record company were kind of going, oh, it's a bit, you know, controversial or, you know, it's, it's too political, maybe not, you know. And we kind of had to keep pushing and saying, you know, this song... <laughs> It gets a great reaction from the crowd every night. You really, it needs to be a single. So I'm glad that we did push for that because then it's yeah. huge. Well, I'm always curious. Um, like, I, we've had so many musicians on here over the years. And, like, one thing about the Cranberries, I always found, like, you never had just one 
single sound. Like every, every mm-hmm. album, even within an album, had different tones going on, different uh, aspects of folk, a little bit of grunge, a little bit. Like, what was your guys' writing process? Was it someone would come with a song? Were you a jam it out kind of band and figure it out? Or was there a ma- uh, main writer? How, what was your usual process for writing? Well, either Dolores would arrive in with some cards and m- maybe. Um, a little bit of a melody, but no words, we'll say. Uh, or sometimes Noel would come in with cards and basically they'd arrive in with cards and either uh, guitar or piano if Dolores was playing. Sometimes she'd play piano as well. So they'd start playing the chords and we'd kind of, the rest of us would close our eyes and listen for, for a few minutes and let it go around and around a few times and then just start adding our parts and then kind of jam from there. Um that's always the way it works, you know, um, fr- from day one. It, it was just one of those natural processes that we could almost feel what the person was going to do or someone would do something, um, play a bit heavier or something like that, and then everyone would react to that and just, you know, rise up maybe or something. Or Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was very – I loved that process. It was amazing. It was, it was always um, something special about that. Yeah. Yeah, I I like reading up on for what I saw how uh you were dropping Dolores off at a, a bus stop or something and you gave her like a demo of Linger and she came up with the lyrics like a week later. Like yeah. it, was it really that fast how much you guys gelled when she came aboard? Yeah. That very first day, it was a Sunday afternoon. She came up with a, a keyboard. We had a rehearsal room and she came in with the keyboard, planted down, and played a few songs that she had. We played the music for Linger, and, and there was maybe um, a few other tracks that we had. Um, so we played those, um, recorded them on a, on a cassette, and gave her the cassette. And then I dropped her up to the bus stop, and she came back the next week, and pretty much, yeah, that was Linger. And then she had that keyboard, da, 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 that keyboard line as well. She added that in when she came back the next day or the next week. You know, like a couple of years ago, we were, we were pretty close to getting Dolores on the show and we were super excited about it. And unfortunately we never got to talk to her. And then of course what had happened, but I was always curious. Um, you know, we always saw the Dolores, the intense, the, the, the performer, the, the, you know, the lyricist, but what, what was she like kind of off the stage? What, what kind of person yeah, was she like? There was lots of different characters, you know, because that's the kind of person she was. She, she was, um, you know, she'd be serious. I mean, we're all like that, aren't we? You know, when you're on stage, you're right. one persona. When you're off stage, you're a different persona. But when you're, relaxing in front of the TV is something else you know I, I mean there was a really relaxed side to her that could be really funny at times and she loved to create mischief and have a bit of a laugh and you know poke fun at people in a good way you know like a, a yeah. jokey kind of way and I, I don't know it's part of that that Irish charm thing she really had that you know and a lot of people who met her were surprised and kind of went, geez, I thought you'd be really serious. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know didn't expect that side of her. And it, it, it was, it was really, yeah, quite, quite charming to see it. Um, the way people would go, geez, wow. So now how, how have you and the rest of the band kind of, um, I guess, uh, 
not just survived, but interacted with, now with Dolores' passing. Are you guys close? Did it did it push you guys apart at all? Is is you, are you still talking all the time? What is the band's kind of uh, state of mind at this point? Yeah, obviously, we got closer because um, we had to go in and record that album, the very last album in the right. end, um, which we had started and. Before Dolores passed, we had, you know, done lots of demos for it. It was kind of like, you know, we're almost getting ready to go and do the recording process. Um, so then after a few months passed, we kind of started talking about it and spoke to her family about it um, and said, how would you feel if, if we finished off the album? And, and they kind of encouraged us to do it and said, look, it's what she wanted to do. I think you should do it. Um and since then, we've been we we talk quite regularly and, and email a lot because there's always something going on for sure yeah. regarding the cranberries. You know, uh, be it um, like the stars vinyl release uh, or to the faithful departed is 25 years old, and there's a box set coming out at the end of this year. Um, so we had kind of had to root through our um, CDs and that tapes and stuff to try and find old stuff and discuss the cover and, and, and uh, different things like that. So there's always something going on. We're hoping, well, we, we plan to do a, a documentary at some point. It's just still too soon Yeah. Um, mm. for us, but also for Dolores' family. You know, it'd be really hard for them to do it as well. And they're not ready and we're not ready. But when we are, we plan to do a really, really good documentary that we cover from the beginning of the band up until the whole the whole life of the band, really. Yeah, I'm just always curious when there's an immeasurable loss like her. You know, the the iconic sound of the band is it. You know, you you know her voice instantly. Like, hey, that's the Cranberries. Mm. Um, mm. So I just always curious how that affects a band, either going forward or or you know even in, even in ways in your own music, your personal music. Like, is it is it hard to kind of just get back at it after something like that happens? Yeah, so. yeah, it, yeah. It takes time, you know. I'm curious. I mean, though I couldn't fathom the cranberries without her. Did anybody at any point suggest, hey, maybe the band go on with another lead singer or or tribute? Was it um, like y'all? There was a couple of people like, who, yeah, there was a couple of people, business more business minded people who really I think didn't know us properly, and and mm. that suggestion. What was alluded to, and it was like, you know, shot down straight away. Yeah. That's ridiculous. There's absolutely no way. In mm. Dolores's voice is completely unique. 100%. She never went to lessons. That's why I think because she could do things that if she had gone to vocal lessons, the teacher would have said, "No, you're not allowed to do that. That's wrong." Right. You know, or you know. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. The way she expressed herself was completely unique and and often imitated, but um. No, it's not something that I would ever, ever consider. Good, <laughs> good. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to see that either. Like, uh, you know, for you guys, I'd no, love to I, see you play, but I just, I, I think it would ruin what we've done in the past. Right. You know, you, you could. Absolutely. 
So all all that success and all the the shows and, and decades upon decades of, of being a successful band, it, it got. Is there like one festival or show or, or something that stands out to you as like this was the crown jewel of the Cranber or, or something that was just so surreal to you guys um, that well, sticks so out? So surreal, think, yeah, would be Woodstock. That, that Woodstock '94. Yeah, just to see mm-hmm. that amount of people, I, I've never seen that in my life. That before or after that, you know, we, and we played some some big festivals and stuff since then. But Christ, I couldn't believe it. The amount it was just a sea of people as far as you could see. It was it was insane. It was such an honor to, to, to get to do that because that was a really good one. What the, the one that a few years after wasn't so wasn't no, so good. no. <laughs> yeah, it didn't end very well. But um, <laughs> d- let me ask you when you when you prepare to play a, a a crowd that size, like what is the mental like like how do you prepare for that mentally? Is it is it like okay, it's just another show, or is there like a certain like zone you need to get into to be like I got I don't even know how many people are stuck a million I don't I don't know like just a technique in the way to like play three hundred thousand <laughs> yeah I don't know it's not no you'd, you'd actually freak out I think if you thought of how many people were actually out there right so you're right. kind of thinking it's another festival we've got to play our hearts out I mean we were the kind of band that would play our asses off whether it's a, a room full of 200 people or 5,000 or whatever it might be <laughs> yeah. it's just mm. you know the four of us would get in a zone on stage and we clicked and and off it went you know and yeah it was an amazing experience a lot of people were surprised at how energetic we were live I think they didn't expect that you know kind of rock there's more of a rocky element to the live gigs yeah mm. And with all the fame that you guys had, I know you had like a a good hiatus uh, for a bit, like about six years and all, because mm-hmm. you were touring like nonstop. As a person who first got into just as a whim, like drumming, and then all this exposure and everything, like tell us about like that time frame. Were you just like, I want nothing to do with music for a while. I just need to turn my brain off. Or were you still like, looking for other no, projects. I know he did. No. Yeah, what? it was more about, I, I, none of us wanted to tour for a while just to get away from that, um, being on the road all the time, being away from home, um, living out of a suitcase, you know, that kind of thing. And we all had young kids at that stage as well. So it's like, dad's heading off for three and a half months. See yeah. you soon. You know, it's absolutely mm. heartbreaking. And then you come back and you're back for... <laughs> two or three weeks or a month and then you're gone again for another few months it's it's, it's just wow. so unfair on them and it was really hard for us but I mean that was our job so what could we do we had to do it so then after yeah I, I, I think we, after touring for so long we just said well, we need to take a break and we're going to lose it completely like and, and yeah. you know well, this isn't fun anymore none of us were enjoying it it was a slog so we all took a break I had a small studio here beside my house. So I started um, engineering and producing some local bands, which was a nice experience. I enjoyed it, but it was, it was really long hours and the pay wasn't great. So, you know, it was kind of becoming the same thing again, where I was in the studio all the time. And even though the house was just next door, I just, I, I just felt like I was working all the time. I needed to take a break from it. 
Yeah. So you kind of segued into a question I asked before and a question I wanted to ask you now. Now, I know you you recently put out uh, your own album uh, in mm. in March, right? So that yeah. not, only about two months ago. So all hope is never lost. Um, and I, I know you're you're very proud of the album. So let, let me like I alluded to it before, you know, like picking yourself back up after the loss of Dolores and making music. Was this, was this both therapeutic and, and, and creative for you? Tell us about the process of this album. Yeah, definitely. It was, um, it's a different experience. You know, when you're, when you're playing with the band, you're, um, like when someone will bring in chords and everyone starts jamming and and takes it off in different directions. Whereas with this project, I was doing it all on my own. Um, so it was different. It, it takes longer um, when you're doing everything yourself. And I engineered it and, and that as well, you know. So, yeah, it's... Um, and, you know, it, there's no vocals or anything on it. Right. It's hmm. it, it's um, ambient music, I suppose you'd call it. Because um, I, 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 what I've been doing for the past few years is working on soundtracks for documentaries and short films and that. And that's how this started. I was I was going to get like a show reel together and send off some music to directors. And then after two or three tracks were finished, I kind of said, maybe this could be an album, you know. And I, I started thinking around along that line and then started trying to m- make the songs into more that kind of shape rather than just have, um, you know, like a soundtrack kind of vibe. I wanted to make it um, more dynamic and at times angry maybe well, speaking of that i mean out of curiosity do they when you're making something for a soundtrack are they telling you the scene are you looking at the scene and making the music or is it the kind of the opposite where you make some kind of thing and like this might work for a documentary um no what happens is i normally get in contact with the director and they'll send me the script so i'll read the script and then from that i'll kind of have some ideas so i'll read through the script a few times and then start getting ideas and send them bits and pieces of music um, and say like, you know, this might work in this scene or that scene. And then when they finished um, the first edit, they'll send that to me. I'll, you know, work around what I've done. Sometimes the ideas work that I had originally from the script. Sometimes I'm going to have to tweak them or else do something completely different. And then we'll back and forth all the time, you know, how do you think this sounds? And, and they'll come back and say, yeah, I like this or, you know, I'm not sure about this or, you know, whatever. And, and then yeah. it, it's an interesting process. I really enjoy it. So we, we've kind of focused only on music for the, for the, the part of this interview, but what, what do you, I know you're into a couple other things. What do you do outside of, of music? Um, when you're, you put that on one shelf, what else, what kinds of things yeah. are you into? Um, I'm into cooking a lot. I, I, I always cook, um, I am the chef of the house nice. because my wife isn't into cooking and that's fine by me, you know, so I'll, it's kind of something just, I started getting into when I, when I moved out of home and then, you know, I cook every night. I love it. I really enjoy it. Um, hobbies wise last year, I bought a, a stand up paddle board, nice. which is like a, a surfboard with, a, yep. you know, a paddle. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. I was actually out today because it's, believe it or not, it's 20 degrees here in Ireland. This is unheard of. It was lashing rain two days ago, and now it's 20 degrees. Yeah. Um, and it's going to probably rain again on Monday. So, you know, <laughs> when the weather's like this, you just got to get out and do something. And I love that. I like being out in the garden as well, out in nature. is nice. 
Now, now you live in Ireland now. You 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 there. Did you live anywhere else in the world during the Cranberries times, or did you always come back home? No, always home. I have a holiday home in Italy, all right, which we go over like for a few weeks in the summer. Nice, but um, yeah, I don't know. Ireland's really special, and the fact that we had spent so many time, so many time, or so many years on tour, you start to really miss home. I don't know what it is, but that that pull of Ireland, you know, um, yeah. hmm. and then you get home and it's it's raining. <laughs> Two weeks later, you're amazing. <laughs> what the fuck? Get me out of here! I want to go to the sunshine again. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Out of curiosity, I mean, as we talked about earlier, how deep the song "Zombie" is. I, I mm. like watching TV, like just some like some kind of Dawn of the Dead remake or something like that, and they start playing the zombie song. Do you ever see that in commercials or whatever, and kind of be like? Guys, it's a little different than what you're portraying it, or is it just yeah, exactly? Oh, we, yeah. we get a few bucks here. <laughs> no, yeah, that that was weird. Um, because we got the request for that, and, and I like the director. You know, I, I I thought, okay, this could be really cool. You know, and and we kind of spoke about it and said, yeah, yeah, go for it. And did, didn't realize, <laughs> I think, didn't realize it'd be so literal. You know, the right on the nose thing. yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah I, I remember watching the movie and it was like it's cool that it's in it but yeah it is a bit literal i'm not sure you know that was such a good idea <laughs> well fergal we really uh really appreciate your your time here and it, like i said it really is it's cool to talk to somebody that you've been listening to their music for 20 plus years so um I wish you the best with the the new album. Where if people want to go, uh, check you out or check out the new album, where's the best place for them to to check it? All oh, things Fergal, Spotify or Bandcamp or SoundCloud or any of those or Apple Music. It's on as well. Awesome. Hmm. Uh, one final question on uh, the Facebook site: Fergal Lawler side projects. Uh, I got. I went on there, and it has seven different MySpace links. Is are are you a fan of MySpace, or is it just the people who make that just are old school? That's from years ago. <laughs> I, I didn't even know that that page was still there. Yeah. I, I, I'm not on Facebook myself. I I, I don't. Uh, I did it for a day, and then I was like, nah, this is. I don't like the look at this site, or anything, so I just got off it again. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think that's a really old site or something like that. So I don't know. Does anyone go on MySpace anymore? Is it even still is around? It up? Is it? I don't know. Maybe I just Tom, so. maybe just Tom or whatever the guy. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Fergal, thank you so much for your time, man, and uh, stay safe Excellent. out there. And looking forward to what you are uh, still able to create and put out there. So thank you. Thanks, Scott. All right, Mike, Fergal Lawler of the Cranberries. Is that his full name, Scott? Can he ever go to another band, or is that going to be his full name forever? No, it's his full name. It's like um, when you're over in the UK, you get knighted, you know, you're Sir Robin of Loxley. He's he's Fergal Lawler of the Cranberries. Ooh. Is there a whole ceremony that gets involved? Or do, I get, do I get a crown in the deal if I get to join a band? First off, you don't get one, no, because you are nowhere. Not? You are nowhere near uh, night status, if you will. Oh, I, I feel my contributions to the show alone put me in the stratosphere of knighthood, Scott. What are your contributions exactly? 
Well, I show up, I speak in this microphone, uh, you ask me questions, and then sometimes I stare at you like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so you, you so what I'm saying is that list that you riled, riled off there is enough mm-hmm. for you to get knighthood. I feel so. I, I feel sir, the knight burlu of the shenanigans. Yeah. Now, I know you guys, you go to Disney, and it's like a fantasy mm-hmm. land there. Yeah. But in the real world, you think that that's worthy of someone being like, you know what? Let's make him a knight. Yeah. I, I think I'd be an awesome knight. I mean, I don't know what the full qualifications for a knight has to be. Do I have to, like, is it, like, army training where I got to show up every six weeks with a body of armor and do something? But I, I feel I can rock the knighthood. Let's find out. A knight has to be born of nobility. So. Done. Okay. Papa Hank is a noble. God, don't you be talking about my pops. I love my pops. He actually got his Father's Day card on Father's Day. Just I mean, that is a miracle. That's pretty noble yeah. of you. There we go. That point one for me. One nothing knight. Um, in some cases, commoners could also be knighted as a reward for extraordinary military service. <laughs> I mean, I'm extraordinary, but not in the military sense. Okay, one to one. Um. Let's see. Okay, here's another one. Four ways to become a knight. All right, Mike. Uh, becoming a knight. Uh, be born in noble class, we said. Oh, well, you got this one. Be born a male. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woo, yeah, that was easy. Yeah, two to one. Not only can we control women's bodies, <laughs> we can be knights. That's great. Can you imagine if like they made the announcement and went, oh, by the way, we're also knights now? <laughs> No, that would be one they like slipped in in like the <laughs> like the, something else they voted on later that day that nobody paid attention to. Um, yeah, while in modern times both men and women can be knighted. Oh, damn it! Historically, only men were knighted as a matter of course. In fact, the word knight derives from the Anglo-Saxon word knight, meaning boy. Knight. Yeah, so, okay, you got that one. You didn't have to do anything for that one. Uh, I was born with this thing, Scott. That accounts. Mike, please don't show that to the the rest of the people. Um, Come on. Learn from your parents what it means to be a knight. For the first seven years of his life, a boy would learn the manners required of a knight from his parents who told him stories of chivalrous deeds and took him to tournaments. Playtime involved taking up a wooden sword and shield against... Imagine enemies of the liege lord. You know, I'm probably going to be over at my parents' house for the 4th of July. I mean, maybe they can tell me some night stories where I can count that. You, you, th- you think it counts? No, hi, Shay. My, my son is walking towards me now where there's tons of oh. glass cans and bottles. and. Um, yeah, that's cool. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he's shiverless and like a knight. Yeah. Hold on a second. Sorry, was interrupted by a one-and-a-half-year-old. Um, for Mike, become a page? At age seven, a boy would become a page, also called a varlet, meaning little vessel. 
in the service of noble and any ladies of the court who resided under the noble's roof. He would be dressed in the Lord's colors and placed under the older pages in the Lord's service. As a page, his service would be divided among household duties, physical activities, and education. I, I prefer the word varlet. Yeah. That seems like a burlu thing to do. Honey, I'm going out to varlet tonight. Yeah. You did that last week. Well, household duties. I'm a Household duties include serving as waiter and busboy. Physical activities included learning to ride and hunt, both with arms and with a hawk or falcon. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. I am so going to Sky Falconry Mm. as a knight. The sword play he practiced under his parents' roof would become more formalized, and the page would also learn how to joust by holding a lance while riding a wheeled hobby horse. <laughs> Mike, please do that. Um, a wheeled hobby horse. Yes, you should go around the house. I'm going to check on eBay. There's wheeled hobby horses out there for me to acquire. You know, I want all the qualifications, Scott. I want to be Sir Knight Burlew. Um, you could become a squire at age 14, but he's young as 10. I don't know if there's any 40-something-year-old squires. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I mean, it can't take much, you know. I mean, they just basically said, like, a freaking waiter counts as a, a knight a couple minutes ago. So. Uh, manner lessons, Mike. You better You better tighten it up. Include learning the code of chivalry. As well as music and dancing, squires also learn the art of heraldry, the symbols for their own and other noble houses so they could tell friend and foe on the battlefield. I mean, this sounds, everything you say, everybody's sitting back, listen, that's like pure burlu. Pure burlu. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess you got a couple ins if you really, if you really try. Um, but... I don't know, man. I don't. Like, do I have to get a certificate to call myself a knight, or is it like when you you had to get something to marry people? Is it the same deal? Do I send a letter to the same people? I would not be surprised if you just looked up like, oh, become a knight online, uh, and you just send like fifty dollars and get a knight from some like island or something. You're you're now a knight. Um, and I know where this is going. You're going to Google it, find it, and then next week you're going to present me a certificate that you are a knight of Macedonia or something like that. By a title of Sir or Dame, how to become a knight. Oh, it, it's coming, Scott. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that, that's another lovely nickname you could add to your, your list. Um, Mike, did I tell you a while back that... At a show, um, a woman had contacted me, and she was a zookeeper. And she kept contacting me, saying, "I'm a zookeeper comedian." Um, I never called this. I'm going to come to your show, um, and I told you she left me. Like I was like, "Okay, send a video, send a video." You know, a YouTube mm-hmm. link, uh, you know, an MP3, an MP4, whatever. And she's like, "No, I have a." Uh, a flash drive I'm like oh well in my head I'm like can you please put the things on the flash drive and send it to me you know you don't uh, you know upload them well she showed up at a show uh, probably two years ago and gave me the flash drive under the name Zoo Mama and I didn't know where I put it 
And as I'm packing things up to move, I found said flash drive. Um, Thank God. (laughs) I mean, the the new house is already worth it already. Now, let me tell you, there is a picture of her uh, smiling and holding a giant parakeet. Um, Her number's on the back. And, uh, yeah, I I found the hard drive. Now, I have not seen a single minute of uh, the stand-up here. Um, but I, I was thinking maybe we could dive in and see what this, this gal's got. I'm praying she's a ventriloquist with the live parrot. I, I pray she is ne- the next Otto and George, okay? All right, well, let's find out. I did, like I said, I did upload this, and I'm just going to see what we got here. We have, let's see, how many minutes is this? Looks big. Okay. Okay. Wow. A 50 minute clip, Mike, 50 minutes. Wow. She gave me, um, she, she got, she got a solid set there, Scott. I don't think I had 50 minutes in my prime. No, I don't even, I mean, I could, I don't even know if I could scrape by 50 minutes now, maybe 40. Um, so let's, let's, let's tell the audience what we're seeing here. Okay. Describe the scene. Okay. We're seeing, uh, uh, I would say a middle-aged woman in a green sparkly dress. She seems to be at some kind of lodge of some sorts. I see a stuffed bear mm-hmm. in the background. It looks like uh, some kind of stuffed, I want to say cheetah or some sort of wild cat in the background. Yeah, there's a big bear in the background, um, big fireplace behind her. You know, um, for a person who loves animals, she's gone to the absolute worst place on the planet, it would seem, to have these <laughs> kind of things there. Yeah. Um, what What's that in, uh, written in the background? Something, Pace Farm? Oh, yeah, that's the farm. Oh, Space Farm. Yep. Okay, I, I've been there before. Yep. Okay. All right, well, let's just, I'm just going to hit play at this first random point, and then maybe we'll check in at three spots and see what she's talking about. Let's, let's hear a clip. It started snowing. I really couldn't believe it. it. brought back memories of the last snowstorm we had two weeks ago. When we all had generators. I mean, my dad has a generator. My brother Parker has a generator. Hunter has a generator. This building has a generator. The monkeys have a generator. And Doug and Lori have a generator. Well, Doug and Lori's generator broke the first day. But it's okay, because the monkeys have generators. you got to keep your priorities straight. The language is very important here at the zoo, and we have to be careful because there's nuances that could go wrong. Um, like, for instance, I have a bird, and he flew in to a garage next to Snow State Forest. And the lady says she didn't know what it was. It was a big parrot, right? It's a four-foot parrot, bright red parrot, this big. Come on in, the four-foot parrot, this big. And the lady, it flew into her garage and she didn't know what it was. So of course she called the North American Homing Pigeon Association. <laughs> now, I hate to break it to you, but there's a lot of difference between a homing pigeon and a parrot. Okay. <laughs> um, now, when she said, come on in, Deb, I thought the parrot was going to come in. The parrot did not enter. Yeah. Now... Okay, a lot of generator talk. Um, monkey, because uh-huh, everybody has a generator. I mean, that's that works anywhere, any show, any uh, any hall, any comedy hall. 
clearly in uh, NYC, that's going to be like big stuff there. It's like, all right, generator stuff. Okay. So I will break it down. She she has no um, no shyness. She seems pretty open, um, decent energy. Uh, but we're, we're, I'm, I'm guessing that this is going to be pure zoo humor, um, that you take this woman out of the zoo and she's still going to be talking like she's at the zoo, which I'm thinking is going to be the scenario here. Um, I just, I see her showing up at tap house 15 and going, how many people here have been in a zoo? And like, nobody raises their hand and she's just like, son of a. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now I got to do crowd work. Damn it. No, I'm wondering if this is multiple clips or it's all the same venue. So I'm going to skip ahead right to the middle in the 20, 20, 22, 25 mark. Let's see what we got. Mm-hmm. That's the same venue. Same venue. And here we go. So I go and I uh, throw, row, row the boat to shore. Mm-hmm. And I come back with a crate and a net and the bucket that I fed him in and a pair of tongs, because I used to hit the tongs on the bucket to make the noise to say, come to mama, baby. <coughs> so I get out there. I'm on the island. Nope. Dad and Doug are still working on a system. <laughs> and now I've got three alligators, nowhere to be seen. Like more. So I hop it over to Doug and I say, hey, honey, where'd those gators go? And he's there, they're way down there by the windmill. And Dad says, forget it, you're never going to get him. I said, give me a chance. So I rev up my voice and I say, come to Mama, baby. Come on, big boys. Come on over here. Come here, big boys. Come to Mama. I got goodies for you. Come here. I got food for you. Come on, big boys. Well, son of a gun. One of them starts swimming right for me. I put the net under the water. I grab it, and because this alligator swim on top of the water, you know, alligator swim on top of the water. So I put the net under the water. I catch the alligator. I flip the net upside down, and I'm hollering, Yahoo! And by that time, we had well, that wasn't exactly the words I used. <laughs> Ooh. But I'm a good. Ooh, big pop from the crowd there. Um, that was a good one there. Uh, I. I mean, it's interesting you have a place that has alligators and a windmill. Uh, that's a pretty rare combination right there. Yeah. But I, I imagine, like, many golf places in Florida have that. So it's... Uh... That's, well, she's got the touring thing, man. She goes down to freaking Orlando. She's just killing it. I will once again, okay? Now, this is working for the zoo crowd. It's probably some kind of, like... Um, Meet the zookeeper kind of chat or something like that. Um, I will give her. She's got she's got presence. Um, it fits in this in this realm. Um, and she got a nice laugh there. So yeah. um, she um, she's doing pro stuff. I mean, she had her water by her when uh, she got a little phlegm pickup. That's true. That's true. Didn't, didn't I bet you people listening to audio didn't even notice that. So. Yeah, um, and plus, I mean, she's doing all this without a microphone. So God bless her. She got a she got a pounding voice there. All right, let's check closer to her closer here at the forty five minute mark here. And um, pulls the snake's mouth open. Ooh. And so, of course, now the snake knows that dad is still alive. So the snake coils around both hands and has him in a handcuff. He's in a snake handcuff. And I'm sitting there, like, okay. 
All right, I'm sure it's been three or four hours now. Where's Parker? Where's John? And it actually only been a couple of minutes because the guys came real quick. So Parker shows up on scene and I said, Parker, get this door. It's killing me. It's okay. I said, what do you need? He said, I need a pair of gloves. I know where the gloves are. So I come running through the kitchen door. I go through the swinging doors, run through here. People are sitting here in the restaurant thinking, something is up. <laughs> I scale these steps, never touching one. You didn't think I could jump it. Go in the office, I climb up on a chair, reach up to the top shelf, get the gloves, come back down, jump these steps, run back to those swinging doors, and I hear somebody say, who was that masked woman? <laughs> wow. I back door, and I hold the glove open, and Parker puts his hand in. And I said, oh, great. Okay, we're on our way. And so then Parker says, okay, open the door. So Doug's standing there, Parker's here, Dad's here, I'm behind Parker. And um, so then we open the door and Parker grabs the snake butt with his ungloved hand, but round the neck. And then he gets his other gloved hand in there and the snake comes out and Parker takes the gloved hand, pries the snake's mouth open, and my dad finally says a couple more words. He says, oh, and he takes his hand out of the mouth. It's dripping blood. Dad's on blood thinners. And he takes five or six steps backwards and leans on the back wall. Okay, fine. I know my dad's going down. That's it. He's going to have a heart attack. He's old. He's thinking bad things are going to happen. And I'm standing there. And Doug is there. And Doug's got the other arm on dad. I've got one arm. I'm on dad's one arm. And we're standing there, there's blood spattered all over the wall. Dad's dripping all over because he's on blood thinners. And finally, you know, Dad said, Dad said, I'm going to be okay. I'm all right. I'm all right. And Parker says, Somebody help me with this goddamn snake. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um. Again, these jokes are not going to work anywhere else, especially if she's got like five minutes. She's screwed. But. Woman is not nervous, um, is getting laughs, uh, very comfortable on the stage. So I can't, like, per the one I need a cough button. Um, but uh, I, I was fully intending on this being, like, what is this woman going to talk about? But I, I don't think she's as bad as I thought. No, she's got good stage presence. Um, she... She has stories. I think if she was serious about comedy, she's got to cut down these stories because she is oh, really yeah. telling every ounce of information humanly possible. So she's got to tighten that up a little bit. Uh, us seeing enough stand up and open mic people, I can guarantee you she is nowhere close to the worst I've ever seen humanly possible. Uh, so. Yeah, I don't know if she's stage ready yet, but she's on a path where if she's serious about it, she can work on it. Yeah, not not bad, not bad, Zoo Mama. Um, like I said, I was coming up here to, not to mock you, but to see what this crazy parrot uh, hard drive I had here. Uh, so go check out Zoo Mama, <laughs> um, yeah. uh, LaurieSpaceDay.com. But uh, yeah, good luck to you. I I, I think if you really tried to narrow some of these crazy stories down into a uh, five-minute tight set or seven minutes or ten minutes, um, you might have some jokes in the future. So so not as bad as I thought. So you never know what you're going to get handed at a comedy show. My only concern would be she seems like the type, like, after her, like, first open mic that she will just buy, like, 
50 t-shirts with zoo mama on it or 100 wacky on there where you just like you're just gonna have these things sitting in the my name is d and the joke's on me you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but uh anyway bro i'm losing my voice it's time to go good to be back though We'll, yeah, we'll you have tr- to buy in there a couple houses and everything. You're behind. Yeah, we'll there. try. We'll try to get back to this this regularly. We do have some cool guests coming up, so we we will not deny that. But uh, Berlo, anything to promote before we go? Uh, I'll promote a little small winery business I visited a couple days ago in Bremen. It's called the Crafty Rabbit Meadery. Uh, they they're a very nice couple who owns this uh, place. Uh, a little sad story. They actually opened up their. Uh, big area it's a beautiful site they were going to have host weddings there COVID happened and that kind of shot things down a little bit so they've been working on meads if you're not sure what that is has honey wine my wife and i went there uh like i said about a week back there's beautiful scenery they have a homemade lake like that you can stare at delicious meads. Uh, I love the spicy pear mead. Very interesting stuff. Check them out if you're in Georgia, Bremen, Georgia, the Crafty Rabbit Meadery. Are you saying someone's stepping in on your spicy wine business? No, they're not. They didn't hit that next level. I got a little worried. I'm, I saw yeah. the bottle. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to cut somebody. I'm going to have to cut somebody. But no, it was delicious. And. I got my own plans. Don't worry. I'm going to down long. I'm being night and the spicy wine maker. I will give a shout out to the uh, two two former guests of the show, uh, Josh Eppert and uh, Travis Stever, who are members of the band Cohate and Cambrium. They just released their, um, I believe it's the 10th album now. Um, it just came out last week. It's called Vaxis 2. Uh, um a window of the waking mind, um, and it is just if you like prog wackiness and all sorts of amazing instrumentation and crazy singing, um, and if you like Coheed and Cambria already, you'll like the new album. So go check that out. It's got my vinyl today, um, so I'm excited to check it out. But guys, hopefully next week I'll have my voice back. Uh, hopefully Mike's voice will be gone. Um, and other than that, guys, I want to thank. Fergal for coming on. Um, just such an honor to have one of the cranberries on the show. Um, life is funny. Laugh at it. Keep the wind at your back. Hey, man. Ah, fighter of the night, man. Ah, champion of the sun. The sun. Ah, You're a master, master of karate and friendship for everyone. One day, man. <laughs>